For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. back to Hertel. Okay, we're going to talk some Congress. We always go to this guy, Eric Garcia. He is the congressional reporter for the Independents. Also got a great book out. We'll talk about that in a little bit. How are you, sir? Great. Talk to you again. Doing all right. How you doing? I'm good. I'm a little worried about you and your job security because we did the State of the Union, but something that's not really getting reported much on, except I hear it from all the people that cover Congress, this Congress is doing nothing, and I thought that was a little bit of hyperbole, and then I went and looked at the Senate schedule. They're averaging one vote a day since they convened. One, yeah. and it's usually a proceed. There's literally nothing going on in Congress right now. This is amazing. There is li- The Senate is literally, I was talking with a friend of mine, it's like basically at the end of the year last year, they passed the omnibus, and then after that, they're like, okay, we did what we did what we needed to do. Um, because like if you remember after Warnock won the uh, runoff, Schumer said we're just gonna focus on judges. Judges, 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 like he was taking a page out of Mitch McConnell's book. Um, but they're just have mostly, as you said, been procedural votes. There was like a vote to confirm an assistant secretary or something, but there and, and I think there was one for a judge, but it's not like you know, the the much to the chagrin of Democrats, there the 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 judicial confirmation assembly line hasn't been initiated, and conversely, there hasn't been a lot of movement on really anything else. And then, meanwhile, on the House side, and we can talk about the House later. Kevin has basically had to do a bunch of uh, performative votes. I think it's fair to call them. <laughs> to uh to appease the uh the gremlins in his in his in his conference so 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 yeah they just haven't gotten anything done what look i'm all for gridlock because you can't screw anything up if you're not doing anything at all but this is really remarkable stuff now we knew some of this was going to happen because it's such a thin majority you know yes. even though this the democrats have the senate they have a slim majority also so they we knew some of this was baked into the cake but this is really amazing for the start of a presidential election cycle and let's all be honest all the house members start running right around december so they they've got yes. about you know 8 9 months until they start running again there there's no sense of urgency i know how much give me the ratio though how much of this is the gridlock of the situation how much of it is leadership not knowing how to handle it and move the minutia of the Senate and the House? So I would say it's about a hybrid. I would say it's about 60-40. Part of it is, as you said, part of it is, as you said, it's that they have, because even because on the, on the Senate side, there's a 51-49 split. So there's that. Not counting the fact that Kirsten Sinema basically became an independent. She still caucuses with the Democrats, but she's, you know, She's friendly with a lot of Republicans and votes for them sometimes. On the House side, the Republicans have a 10-seat majority that's going to become a 9-seat majority after a special election in Virginia. So part of it is just handling 
these very, very slim majorities. The other part of it is that they just did it is that on the Senate side, they hadn't sorted out their committees until like not this last week, but the week before they had it even they had it uh, because what happened is um, Eric Schmidt, the said the new senator from Missouri, wanted to be on judiciary with Greitens and then they didn't get they didn't give it to him. So he wound up going he wound up going on Veterans uh, Armed Services and then Holly was, was taken up went off Armed Services. So they've, they've just been playing musical chairs because Republicans have one less seat. And then on the <clears throat> House side, they had trouble with sorting through committees because McCarthy, let's be honest, he wanted revenge after they kicked off Marjorie Taylor Greene and Paul Gosar. So there had been there was a lot of back and forth on committee sortings on that one. And on top of that, they had to um, organize these new committees on China, uh, COVID and the uh, weaponization committee. Yeah, let's talk about that committee real quick. Um, Eric Garcia joining us. There's been a lot of hubbub about it. Jim Jordan's heading it. Yes. What are they actually doing? Because everybody's got their opinions of it. You know, the Republicans are saying this is the hold accountable stuff. The Democrats are saying this is going to be a perpetual Benghazi hearing. What's the truth of it? What are they actually doing in the committees? And more to the point, how's Jim Jordan? do? Look, Jim Jordan's wanted this power for a long time. He's angled for it. Now he's got yes. it. What's he actually doing with it? So this is the thing that I've said about Jim Jordan. The reason why he didn't want to be Speaker of the House is that <clears throat> being 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 the guy in the chair is very different from being a, a a bomb thrower, which is what he's been through the majority of his career. Um, John Boehner used to call him a legislative terrorist. Um, but now I think what he's trying to do is he's trying to split the balance between seeming like a responsible chairman of a committee while still being the guy who hoots and hollers about James Comey and Peter Strzok and Lisa Page. So I went, so I was actually in the room for the first uh, two hours, I think of that um, weaponization committee before my, before my mom called and you got to answer to mom, no matter where she calls you. Um, and <clears throat> so, uh, so 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 what he what basically they did is that they had this opening panel with Chuck Grassley, Ron Johnson, Jamie Raskin, and Tulsi Gabbard of all people. And basically Johnson and uh Grassley complained that the federal government was interfering with their FBI, with their with their investigation into the Biden family. And Tulsi Gabbard just went on to a whole tirade about how she was, uh, how she was, how people were mean to her about like, and said that she was a Russian agent. Um, it, and it was, it really just kind of, and, but, and a lot of it was, you know, moaning and a lot of other things about the Twitter files and Elon Musk. So really the, the question, and I said this, you know, my takeaway from it was, the difficulty, I think, for a lot of Republicans on that committee is making the things that they that they care about seem like it's stuff that other people should care about. Uh, and, and that's really been the difficult thing. It, it, it has. But so far, it hasn't necessarily and, and given it's just the first week. So it hasn't produced the fruit and it hasn't led to, you know, the kind of. Um, wall-to-wall marquee headlines that I think Jim Jordan and Kevin McCarthy wanted it to have. Yeah, I'm part of that, Eric Garcia. This is not 
the January 6th committee. This is no. a fully staffed committee with both sides. The names on the Democratic side for people that don't know, the other than Debbie Washerman Saltz, who headed up the DNC, so she has a little bit probably more of a national profile. Guys like Jerry Conley, Sylvia Grace, Linda right. Sanchez, these aren't big time names. These are people that know how to do committees, though. There's pushback on this thing. There is a back. By the way, Jordan's actually doing a pretty good job with fair time as far as the committee members go. Obviously, yes. the witnesses are going to slant, but he's he's playing it straight with the committee members. He's he's yes. doing his job in that regard. But that also means they're getting pretty close to equal time on this thing. I'm just looking at it from the outside, so I'm like, yeah, I know Macy and Gates and Stefanik's on these committees. Is there any way an outside observer is not just going to look at this and see it as a wash? Yeah, that, that's the other thing. Is so so Jerry Connolly and Dan Goldman had, I think, some of the best questioning on the Democratic side. Um, I, th- I think that Stacey Plaskett, who's the rep, who's the um, who's who's the ranking Democrat, had pretty much had had, had some good questioning and had a, and had a pretty strong opening statement. So the fact that it, it, so as you said, again, because this is a very um, narrow, because Republicans have a very narrow majority, it's not like they have a bunch of committee members who can just um, overwhelm the Democrats. That leads, like you said, to it kind of just people seeing this as basically a break even. And uh, and um, you know, Goldman had a pretty interesting exchange with Jordan. I'm sure you know it, it made the rounds on the internet. Uh, and, and for those who don't know, Dan Goldman was the head attorney during. Um, the first impeachment for Trump uh, with the with the Ukraine stuff. So 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 as as you said, it was very. It, at the end of the day, uh, you know, I, I kind of walked away from it saying, feeling like this didn't move the needle either one way or the other. Yeah, I agree with that. And the other problem you got is, and I I have asked people this question. I still haven't got a good answer. It's like. Jim Jordan's the guy who's like, I'm not going to answer any subpoenas. Why is anybody getting subpoenaed this thing? The, their first opening statement going to be, well, you didn't answer your subpoena. Why do I got to answer my subpoena? And I think that's going to kind of be the doom loop that this thing's going to get into, other than just the sound bites and the partisanship that's going to come out of it of what they're going. I don't think anybody outside of that's really going to get any traction on this. Is that a, is that a fair way to look at it? It is a fair way to look at it. I think, you know, again, because of the fact that he didn't answer subpoenas on the on the January sixth committee, he didn't, uh, you know, and he he's basically kind of flat thumbed his nose at it. Uh, that that has kind of led to him. Uh, that that's kind of that that, that could actually kind of uh, backfire on him. Incidentally enough, the the funny thing about that. <clears throat> Oversight committee about that organization committee is yes, you got your Gates and your Stefanics and all that. It was not as much of a circus as the oversight committee hearing the day before, which was um, a debacle. And I think that Kevin is probably regretting putting, and I should say, James Comer is a pretty, you know, evenly, you know, fair handed guy, but. And Jamie Raskin, from what I understand, likes him. And when I've talked to them, they, they get along. But I think that Kevin is regretting putting Marjorie Taylor Greene on that committee. Um, yeah. So 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 so, so, so it, it, that that hearing was much more of a debacle. So. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. 
Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Yeah, I wanted to ask you about Marjorie Taylor Greene, too, because I've got a little bit of a working theory on here. I think, and people, look, this is just, we do a dog grown folk talk here. Probably the best thing that ever happened to Marjorie Taylor Greene was the Democrats stripping her of her committees because yes. never, nobody listened to her talk outside of conservative media for two years. Yes. Anybody that pays a lick of attention to her, they can't hide her now. And I know no, I, she's not the only crazy person in Congress. <laughs> There's a couple on the Democratic side that say really Looney Tunes things, but she's just kind of, look, Kevin made the deal. Kevin McCarthy, she buddied up to Kevin to get her committee assignments back. She's got it. They can't hide her now. And she she ought to be an in-kind donation to Democrats because she is just so off the wall with this stuff. I think this in the long run is actually going to end up being her undoing the fact that she's actually on the committees now. No question, because. I remember like after she got stripped of committee, she says, oh, well, now I have more time to like do other things back in like 2021. And weirdly enough, she was kind of right about that because. If you're on committees, that means you actually kind of have to do serious, important work. Say what you will about Matt Gates, but if you remember the thing that he wanted when he twisted the knife into McCarthy was he wanted a chairmanship over, over uh, I think it was for, uh, a subcommittee on armed services, which makes sense. He represents Pensacola. He represents the Panhandle. There's military bases there. Green for all for, for for you know doesn't have those same interests it's not like she's it's not like she necessarily wants to you know get something through uh, across the across the finish line on education or government reform or anything like that she's just going to be um i think fair to say peacocking um on these committees and then these things are going to go viral these things are going to go uh these 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 things are going to make the round on the internet and incidentally enough ironically enough uh the person she she's now on the committee you know that she's on oversight she's now going toe-to-toe toe-to-toe with um aoc which criticisms of her aside and there are plenty of criticisms i've made criticisms of her she's a good questioner in these hearings and she doesn't peacock so it's it's a um it's it, it you know it, it probably might be their undoing and as I said Kevin might come to regret putting her on oversight because she's going to be asking about the Twitter files and Elon Musk and you know COVID origins and she's also on the COVID origins committee as well so that's going to uh, be another thing. Yeah, Eric Garcia joins. Okay, we've been beating up on the Republicans. Let's talk Democrats for a second. Sure. Chuck Schumer hadn't had a whole lot to do because they're waiting on the House to do anything. He yeah. does have two themes developing here. He's yeah. talking. A lot about the debt limit, which all he's got to do is sit still because they're going to pass a debt limit. It, Kevin painted himself on a quarter in there. So he's just waiting on that shoe to drop so he can hammer them. He is definitely just going to talk about China nonstop. This is all yes. he's talking about now is China, China, China. He's got some simpatico with Mitch and the Republicans on this so he can call it as a bipartisan issue. This is something that obviously the White House is going to be paying attention to. This is not – look. Chuck thing Chuck Schumer plans these things out. This is a theme. 
he's not going to get a whole lot of stuff from the House GOP, so he's just going to hammer this China stuff. Is that a fair way to assess where that's at? That is absolutely a fair assessment. And, of course, with these unidentified unidentified objects, uh, what was interesting, I'm sure you saw this uh, on Saturday, uh, Senator John Tester said that they found another uh, another um object flying over the sky in montana and tester put out a put out a thing and, and what what i it was interesting when i i saw it and i interpreted it as oh chuck's giving tester who hasn't made a decision about running yet um a little bit of breathing room it is allowing him to um kind of sit, look like he's doing serious work and that's not to say that tester is insincere uh, uh but but it, it's allowing him to be seen as this as you know, keeping a monitor over this thing after the, after the, another flying device came over the skies of, of Montana. That was that, that really stood out to me. And I was like, oh, Chuck is give Chuck Schumer is giving uh, John Tester some breathing room. Yeah, Eric Garcia joining us. While we're on the subject, look, I'm one of those cynical people. Uh, yes. I'm very cynical about stuff. No, I don't believe in aliens. No, I don't believe in UFOs. Yes, I study history. I'm all for shooting down anything that encroaches on our airspace because that's a sovereignty issue. I also study history. This is not the first, last, or will be the last time our airspace has been violated by a foreign power. Let's be adults here for a second. You just mentioned it. There's a political aspect to all these unidentified things getting shot down. And this all this. My question when something comes out like this is not why is it happening? My second question is, why are we hearing about it? Well, I've got a little bit of a theory that we're hearing about this because this GOP Congress came in saying they're going to cut the DOD budget. There is now wide ranging reporting that Biden's budget proposals is going to have an increase in DOD spending. Gee, Wally Willikers, wouldn't you know that anything vaguely looking like a threat that the DOD can answer is getting a whole lot of press? Look, there's politics involved in these stories. Yeah, I mean, now, now take into account with the um, with the the first balloon that we knew of, uh, not this last week, but the previous week, that wasn't spotted by the DOD. That was spotted by people in Montana. Uh, so, so, so taking it, but the fact that they shot down the device. Uh, over the coast of the Carolinas, and the fact that it, ha- uh, uh, you know, that's that was interesting. That uh, the fact that uh, Admiral Kirby, that uh, John Kirby, who's the NSC spokesman, uh, spent basically the entirety of his brief of the press press briefing last week on Friday talking about it. Despite the fact the president's going to Poland to show solidarity with Ukraine, it does show that I think that the DOD and the Pentagon is absolutely trying to make the case that we can't make the cuts because there are, and I should, I should also add, the, the House, members of the House GOP are talking about this, but the Senate GOP is very much, um, no, this is unacceptable. As soon as the balloon was shot down, Mitch McConnell said that the president need, can't cut his defense budget. He needs to increase the defense budget. Uh, plenty of senators like uh, like Senator Roger Wicker, who's on armed services, I think he's the ranking member on armed services, said that this is a that cutting defense spending is a no go. So this is going to be uh, so the pre- the the White House uh, Senate Republicans and some House Democrats are basically telling the the 
the really right wing conservatives. No, this ain't happening. You're not cutting the defense budget. Yeah, and there's a lot here. Defenses like education is like, well, you can't do it. most of the budget has nothing to do with the frontline troops. That's what they're talking right. about. Cutting. So this is just kind of the old administrative. Structure. Yeah, it, there's plenty to cut in the DOD that wouldn't hurt the troops whatsoever. Okay, Eric Garcia, the the debt ceiling is going to be the theme because there's nothing else going on. There's yeah. going to be a deal here of some kind. What's yes. the pound of flesh involved here that gets this over the starting line? And does Kevin McCarthy survive it? Okay, those are two very important questions. So first off, yes, they are going to raise the debt limit. Don Bacon, who is a moderate from Nebraska, said that they're not going to do what's called a discharge petition, which would allow for all the Democrats and some moderate Republicans to just bring a clean debt ceiling increase um, to the floor without without going through the committees. But I think that ultimately was, and McCarthy has said ultimately that Social Security and Medicare are off the table. That hasn't but what he didn't say is he didn't say Medicaid. And, uh, you know, my good friend, Joseph Sobrez Roig, uh, asked Joe Manchin about uh, about Medicaid. And he said, and he kind of showed some openness. But then when I talked to Joe Manchin, he said that we're not scaring the bejesus out of people about things that they depend on. So that might be something. They, there might be some cuts around the margins, around the, uh, you, you know. But I don't think, but th- th- incidentally, enough, the person who, um who, who, who laid it out the most was AOC, which she said, look, if you don't touch Social Security and Medicare and you don't touch defense, you don't have that big a chunk of when it comes to not when it comes to discretionary spending and non-discretionary spending. You're going to have trouble making the kind of cuts, especially because Republicans want to uh, put the, uh, you know, balance the budget within 10 years. When you take Social Security and Medicare off the table and you take defense off the table, that is un, that is infeasible. So the question then becomes, uh, and, and of course, take into account that there's still the Democrats still control the Senate. So they're probably not going to say they're probably not going to say yes to a lot of the kind of cuts that House Republicans want anyway. So that is uh, so really the question is, what is there left to cut? And then the question comes, um, will Kevin be able to get enough Republicans Will he be able to follow the Hastert rule? And for those who don't know, the, the Hastert rule, named after an actual pedophile who went to prison, uh, it means that Republic that that House Republicans need to get a majority of their party to put anything on the floor. I don't know if that can actually get the uh, that can actually get to the floor. So 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 or, or that or without without Kevin having to ask the Democrats for a hat in hand. Both of those will be brutal to him in his own raucous caucus that he's trying to hold on to. Okay, uh, one last question. We are entering the presidential light. Look, Biden's going to run again. We've got most yeah. of the Republicans. Um, Nikki Haley's going to be announcing here probably next week. It looks like Trump's already in. DeSantis's people are saying his timeline's somewhere around May to June. So yes. we're in a holding pattern on this. Presidential elections affect what Congress does a lot. A yes. lot. What is the congressional? Because that's what you cover. 
what are they waiting to drop in the presidential cycles? Are they trying to just get this debt limit done before that kicks in the full gear and then they can just do committee stuff? How's Congress and the Senate reacting to the calendar ticking on the presidential season? Well, I mean, I think that it was interesting. I talked with Brendan Buck, who worked for John Boehner and Paul Ryan uh, right after the midterm election. And he said, absolutely, Trump being in the presidential cycle and being in the presidential uh, fold is going to absolutely affect this because if Trump posts something on Truth Social um, and he says, Kevin, don't take the deal, need to be strong, all caps, uh, or we don't have a country, um, uh, then that could affect a debt limit deal. Conversely, um, Ron DeSantis never really had a relationship with Kevin. So I think that uh, because he was part of the Freedom Caucus and all those folks when he was a member of Congress. So it absolutely does affect it. I think that what I'm sure that McCarthy is definitely thinking about the fact that if Trump doesn't like a deal that they've done on, you know, the, the, the budget or a continued resolution or, uh, or or the debt limit, that uh, he's going to have Marjorie Taylor Greene knocking on his door sometime soon. Uh, and it's not going to be pretty. Yeah, Eric Garcia, I'll ask you this because I did a Fox hit a couple of weeks ago and they were asking about it. Look, he can go back on Twitter whenever he wants to because I'm talking about Trump here. And, and Elon begged, borrowed and tried to shame him into coming back already. And he hadn't yet. This this true social thing, he's supposed to wait six hours or whatever. It's got a regulatory problem. It may be going under before even then. The yeah. rumor is that his agreement ends with them anyway somewhere around May or June. That's about the time presidential season really kicks off. Trump can get back on Facebook now, Meta. That includes Instagram, all this stuff. If you start getting – I'm just looking at the congressional calendar here. This is about the time all this stuff's going to really get icky yes. and dicey this March through June. Look, that's going to be the make or break of this Congress is the March through June period of this year. That may be the time that the presidential season really kicks off. That might be the time Trump returns to social media properly. That's a lot of cross streams all at once for folks to deal with. It is, an, it is, it is going to enter cross streams. And I'm sure that, uh, you, you know, back in the day, uh, uh, Paul Ryan used to joke that he said, like, every morning I wake up and I check all of Trump's tweets that I'm going to pretend that I haven't seen this morning. Uh, and, and that is absolutely going to be Speaker McCarthy in the coming weeks because he's going to have to he's going to have to pretend to say that, you know, Trump's the president, but he doesn't lead the Congress. He's not the Speaker of the House. Uh, but but he's also but also he's kind of in a bind because, as people might have remembered, if you because thanks to the C-SPAN cameras, Marjorie Taylor Greene got Trump on the phone to try to whip up votes for him. So. Kevin is kind of I'm trying to think of the word. Kevin owes Trump a debt. And Trump could basically at any moment tweet out, I got Kevin the speaker the the votes for the speakership. Don't pass a debt limit increase. And then what is he going to do, you know? Does he survive the summer? I it, it, it could very easily so so the question of whether he survives the summer or not it has, has always been the that that's the question everybody else asks but the 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 because he has to pass is, a debt limit like let, yeah, let, let's just yeah. play this out he is going to pass the debt limit that yes, is going to happen but, which breaks yeah, all his promises which breaks all of his promises because he got rid of the Gephardt rule he got rid of a lot of the other rules the question then is who leads the revolt because. It's got to be someone with credibility. It can't be Matt Gates. It can't be Warren Boebert. It's got to be one of the you know ten or thirteen Republicans who switched their votes on him. And the other question is, who do they put up in exchange instead of him? 
that that's that to me is the real question is if he the, the way he survives is who leads this revolt against him and do they have a credible alternative because Scalise is not going to knife him yet uh Jim Banks is leaving for the Senate um Stefan yeah Stefanik but well, as we've talked to before, I've, I've said it since she did it. Stefanik did not burn all her bridges to sit at the number three spot. So Scalise better do it or get off the pot because he might get double knife because he's got her standing behind him. I'm just yeah. I'm just throwing a name out there like she she didn't look. She's an Ivy League. She was into the she didn't burn all those bridges to be the number three in the house. Yeah. She's ambitious. That's somebody I would watch. Scalise may do it himself. Banks yeah. is off to the Senate, supposedly, and that's going to get ugly. But I, I would think it would be one of those two, right? It would be one of those two. I don't – Emmer, I think, is waiting to, to actually move up in the ranks after he, after he had a, a, an admittedly good two terms as NRCC chairman. But the, but the, 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 the real question, as you said, is Stefanik or, uh, or, or Scalise. The question, the, the question is, again, Kevin might survive if his the, – the, the thing Kevin McCarthy has going for him – is that his enemies are probably just as incapable of getting the votes as he is, is, is the best way I could put it. What a time to be alive and to cover Congress, my friend. You, you, my friend, have good job security because this is going to be one of the crazier two-year periods in the history of the United it's States Congress. Uh, Eric Garcia, we always appreciate it. Let folks know where they can find and follow you. Promote the book. We didn't touch on it today, but you did an article a little while back on uh, autism and the electroshock treatment that was just shocking. Make sure you mention that real quick for folks where they can find your book now out in paperback and yes. how they can follow you until we get you back on her again. Yeah, uh, right here. We're not broken. Change the autism conversation available where every wherever you can get your books. You can get it on Amazon. You can get it at your local bookshop, online, IndieBound, whatever. You can also follow me on Twitter at Eric M. Garcia. I wrote an article for the Boston Globe about the fact that Congress finally passed legislation to allow for the end of electroshock therapy on autistic students. If that makes you go WTF, me too. Um, so, uh, so thank you very much. I always love being on the show. Yeah, you do great work. We'll talk to you soon. Keep your head down up there, brother. You keep them straight. All right. You see you soon. See you, Eric. mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Religion is at the intersection of our 21st century life, even if we don't express a faith. 
At a time when it seems that religion isn't as prevalent as it once was, it still leaves its mark everywhere. As a pastor, I know that religion isn't something I just do on a Sunday, but it's found in every nook and cranny of my life. Sexuality, politics, social media, the economy, war, nationalism, all have some kind of religious angle to them. And as a communicator, I want to find the stories that can help people understand this part of our society that is so important to so many. Hi, I'm Dennis Sanders, and I'm the host of Church and Maine. Church and Maine is a podcast about the journey of faith and where it intersects with modern life. I look at faith with a journalist's eye, asking the who, where, what, why, and how religion affects some of the major issues of the day. Join me as we journey together. You can listen to Church in Maine podcasts at the website churchinmaine.org or on your favorite podcast app. I look forward to seeing you. Folks, you've heard of Ethan Brown on the Hurt Tell Show a couple of different times, but if you're interested in learning about how to discuss things like climate change without all the politics and doom and gloom, head over to his podcast, The Sweaty Penguin. Sweaty Penguin is a late-night comedy-style climate podcast working to add nuance, critical thinking, humor, and hope to the climate conversation. they got over 100 episodes already, breaking down weekly news stories and specific topics from the vanilla to the ADHD to the international accountability to orangutans. Yes, I know, it's a comedy thing, so just go with it. But each time, exploring different ways we can make progress on these issues while still helping the economy, health, security, and everything else we care about. Feel overwhelmed, exhausted, or excluded by today's climate change discourse? This is the podcast for you. Find the Sweaty Penguin wherever you get your podcasts or at www.thesweatypenguin.com.